Well, good morning, church. Happy Easter. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And though we are separated by distance, we are united by the Spirit in the story of God. Um, if you would stand with me, uh, if you're able to, for the reading of God's Word, we're going to be reading from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were both going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the reading of God's word. Well, who would have ever thought that 2,000 years later, we, like the disciples on that Easter morning, would be shut up in our homes, many in fear of their own death, some mourning the death of a loved one, fearing what might be coming next, how totally unexpected and unwanted. Now, that morning, those disciples were oblivious to the fact that that day would be the day that would forever alter the course of history. And possibly, many of us are sharing in that same sentiment and that same ignorance. Now, I don't mean this to be insensitive to our current situation, but we have in the West uh, really been living contrary to the rest of the world and to the experience of human history. We have been able to insulate ourselves from sickness, disease, and death in ways that no period of human history has ever before. And now for these last few weeks, we have been reintroduced to what all humans before us have felt, a dread of suffering and death, or not to be too melodramatic, a sense of impending doom. As Americans, of course, our tendency is to 
allow the comforts of life in the Western world to be our hope, uh, our security. They are distractions. Uh, they are our joy underneath it all, but not today. Today, all of that is stripped away and truly Again, not to be too melodramatic, but what do we have to look for on the Western horizon except the end to this pandemic? But even that, what will that look like? When will that come? How long will that last until this rebounds or something else happens? Ladies and gentlemen, may I reintroduce to you Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead. Perhaps now more than any time in recent history, the resurrection can speak to our hearts and not just our heads. Every year we go on and on about the facts surrounding the resurrection. Jesus truly died, was buried in a well-known tomb. The tomb was empty on the third day. He was seen by a multitude of witnesses and even 500 witnesses at once. Skeptics and even his own family members hailed him as the resurrected son of God. Seemingly, we are trying to convince ourselves and one another that it really is possible, if not probable, that Jesus rose from the dead. But today, I hope not to speak to heads on sticks, but to hearts, to longings, and hope to our fears. Oh, as much as we all dread this situation and desperately desire the end of the COVID-19 pandemic, this pandemic reveals the frailty of our lives. The frailty of life in this world, the uncertainty of all things, whether that's our finances, our careers, our family's futures, our economy, our dreams. All of us have most likely experienced anxiety, fear, staying up late at night, thinking through these things. What is gonna happen? What will that look like? What will I do? How will I survive? How will I thrive? COVID-19 reveals something we should have known all along living in an uncertain world. And that is our base human need for a sure foundation to build our hopes, dreams, and life upon. You and I must build our lives on something certain, something that will not change. In order to have a true hope about the future, we must have confidence in something bigger, someone greater than all the things aforementioned. St. Augustine so wisely said, only love of the immutable can bring tranquility. I love Tim Keller's response to this in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. He says, there is only one thing that is immutable. It is God, his presence, and his love. The only love that won't disappoint you is the one that cannot change, the one that cannot be lost. That is not based on ups and downs of life or how well you live. It's something that even death can't take away from you. God's love is the only thing like that. Not only can your poor performance not block it, but even the worst possible circumstances in this life, sudden death can only give you more of it. Or again, as Augustine also so wisely said, God alone is the place of peace that cannot be disturbed. And he will not withhold himself from you unless you withhold your love from him. I'd like to read from 1 Peter 1, 3, 13, if you'd like to join me in reading. But this passage just always brings such hope to me. And this is just my go-to every Resurrection Sunday. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith that is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who were before us, they prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searching and inquiring carefully what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. What an incredible passage. And so Peter summarizes it all saying, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here in this passage from 1 Peter, we're told that that same immutable God that Augustine spoke of, he has power to guard us, to protect our inheritance from all insecurity and harm, from stock market crashes, from economic downturns, from stain, disease, virus, or destruction. This God offers us a hope that is more powerful than even death. And it is not just a thing. It is the person, Jesus the Messiah, the death-crushing, grave-prevailing, resurrected Lord. That's where Peter calls us to fix our hope on Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and the day when God will make all things new. That is to be the Christian's living hope. And today we need that reminder more than ever. This is what gives power. This is what gives endurance. This is what gives faith and joy through trial and circumstance. Church, this is what enables us to live well, whether in lack or abundance, whether in fasting or or feast. Remember Jesus' words to his disciples on the night he was betrayed. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus knew the things that would come upon us, the things that we would experience in our own life's journey, the things that would happen even 2,000 years later. He knew that the world would be filled with trouble just as it was in his day. And so he reminds us to fix our eyes on his person. He is the death-conquering king. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Or again in Revelation, he says, fear not. One of the, the most common commands in all of scripture. Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. It is only through the victory of the Son of God, 
through his triumph over the grave, that we can have true peace in this world through all its ups and downs, uncertainties and surprises. It is only through trust and allegiance to him, to Jesus, that we can be assured of our own resurrection and of our participation in the glorious kingdom of God. So take heart. Take heart. Fear not. God has not redeemed us from slavery to sin and death only to abandon us now. I've been thinking how much we are like the children of Israel who were delivered from slavery to death in Egypt, and they were brought through the Red Sea, those waters that crushed and punished and destroyed their oppressor, just like Satan was destroyed at the cross. We have been brought out of slavery to death and sin, and we are now in that wilderness. We are headed toward Mount Zion to the new Jerusalem, to the new creation. And we are tempted, like the children of Israel, to ask, to question, has God brought us out here to die? Where is God? No, no, no. He has gone before us. He has suffered the death of the cross. He has gone through death and come out the other side. He is the resurrected Lord who is now leading us to Mount Zion, leading us to the new creation. So take heart Keep your eyes on the great shepherd who has already overcome our greatest enemy and obstacle, death. Death has no lasting power over the follower of Jesus, for Jesus has conquered the graves. Now, in the weeks leading up to this pandemic, I said our gospel was made for a dying and diseased world, and it was. It was into the first century world, plagued by death and disease, that the early church proclaimed Christ is risen from the dead, conquering over death by death, and to those in the graves bestowing life. And therefore, it is into this dark horizon that the disciples of Jesus can cry, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Christ has triumphed over death and is alive forevermore. And we who are his, who belong to him, will feast in the house of Zion. Take heart. We are headed for a new heaven and a new earth. And as Isaiah 11:9 reminds us, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, this life is not our only life. We know that. Nor is it our best life, but the best is yet to come. And as Peter reminds us, not only is the best yet to come, but it is imperishable undefiled, unfading, and reserved in heaven for us, protected by God. So since we have this hope, since we have a grave-conquering Messiah, since we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, since we have an inheritance that cannot be tainted or taken, since we have a love that will not let us go, a love that suffered and died in order to redeem us, let us live. Let us live out that hope of the kingdom of the heavens into every sphere and moment as we have opportunity. Let us love all people liberally. Let us show kindness to all. Let us forgive freely. Let us think the best of people. 
Let us loosen our control and worry, trusting God our Father. Let us give more away. Let us be generous people. Let us take ourselves less seriously. Let us spend more time investing in people. Let us bless the people that curse us. Let us grieve with those who grieve. Let us rejoice with those who rejoice. Let us read another story to our children, spend more time listening and loving them. Let us throw a great party on Zoom. <laughs> Let us plant a garden. Let us celebrate life liberally and freely. Let us eat, drink, and be merry. For yesterday we were dead. I think there is a temptation today, like many of these other days, to just kind of let the gloom and the dread hang over us. And it reminds me of the passage in the Old Testament where the Jews had come out of exile and they had just built or were rebuilding the temple, rebuilding Jerusalem. And they were gathered there to hear the reading of the law. And they were so grieved when they were hearing about their sin and their failure. But you know what? The priests and the leaders of the nation said, stop, this is not what we're going to do. We're not here to grieve. We're here to celebrate because God has redeemed us. And church, that's what we need to do today. We need to lay off the sackcloth, the mourning, the Lenten garments, lay those aside. Today is a day of rejoicing. And as they said on that day, we say today, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So let us revel in the victory of Christ today. Let us celebrate. Let us rejoice in him. Because Christ is risen from the dead, having trampled death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life, our future is bright and glorious, and the best is yet to come. So now, may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need to do his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.